0: This is the multisport podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sporty riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers, and fitness enthusiasts. Supported by No Pins suppliers of number attachment systems, clothing, and air equipment. Visit
1: nopins.com and safeortracing.co.uk for all your biking needs. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster.
0: Hello, welcome to the 135th JBST.com Smartcast, now in its 10th year of broadcasting. I'm Coach Joe Beer and I'm joined today, once again, by <laughs> yeah. Southfork.co.uk,
1: Martin Crocker. Good morning, afternoon, evening,
0: wherever Joe. you are.
1: Wherever you are in this uh, this world.
0: So. Welcome back. We are officially in springtime. We've passed the spring equinox. Don't look at me like that. I'll get you. Um, 21st of March, so that means we're actually technically closer to the longest day now than we are away from the shortest day. So we're closer to going back into the dark
1: abyss. No, 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 no.
0: No, but we're actually quite close to the middle of June as opposed to we're further away from the middle of December. Good. Only by a few days, but still, the sun is getting higher in the sky if you are in the northern hemisphere which is good news which is well which is good news yes so let's jump straight in so we've got um we've got a question we've got something about the competition we've got research got a few updates and why don't we start with
1: let's start with a question martin we shall uh so this one is from a gentleman called stuart uh stuart has emailed in um to ask hi joe i'm in my third year of trying getting stuck into it as best i can just looking for a bit of guidance slash direction regards heart rate zones to focus on for the bike and run i assume they are slightly different for each activity and if you could point me in the right direction regards working them out and the number of zones you refer to would be great some refer to five others three which would you suggest I enjoy listening to the podcast, so you may have one which has all this information for me or other literature, a literature I could read. Um, I am self-coaching mainly and do have a vague idea of what I'm doing, but I'm also up for a bit more external guidance, but not sure what that would entail. I uh, hope to hear back from you soon. Uh, kind regards, Stuart.
0: Right, so there's quite a few bits on there. So I guess, yes, there is a difference between uh, potentially maximum heart rate for running and maximum heart rate for biking. So you could have differing zones if you max tested on both of them. And we are assuming that he's doing so he's doing triathlon he's made europeans for geneva da, 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 da. be competitive as possible um and i think the one way that i look at it it might be different to other people but i like i like to try and say okay you can get your your heart rate up higher uh running and you could get it closer biking if you are a stronger biker If there is a big difference between bike and run, it probably suggests that you haven't got the ability to push quite so hard on the bike. Whereas when you're running, you're holding up your whole body. So generally, yes, heart rates for the same duration of time, let's say, you know, a 20 minute time trial running, 20 minute time trial biking. You tend to get higher heart rates in the run segment. That does mean the top of your zones, zone one, zone two, and where you race will be slightly higher for the running heart rate. And this may be where doing a test can help you start to get zones, but also using race data to say, what do I do in a race? There may be higher heart rates in the run because you're hot, you're fatigued, you've left the best bit till the end, which does make sense. I think with... um, you know, with somebody that's in the third year, there's probably a lot of things that are already fairly good one would hope that base training is kept within the right zone i e steady state that the quality work, especially as we get now into the um you know what would be called pre competition phase, is starting to get more focused and harder you know typical intervals you know six by four minutes or you know um short you know eight by eight by 300 meters running or something like that there's a there's a greater focus on people wanting to move faster and, and try harder and the more you know about where your zones are the more you can dial that in exactly right but i think what we have to be sure is if you choose a zones and i go for three that's just because Um, That's the way physiologically things are broken down up to 80% is your low lactate uh, accommodating training. It's stuff you can do and not really notice even over longer durations. Then you get the what would be competition zone or gray area between 80 and about 87% of max heart rate. And that is where competition takes place, but it's not the best place to train. If it's where you train for endurance, work is too hard. If it's where you train for quality, work is too easy. But the real, you know, creme de la creme, icing on the cake is the above 87% of max. So that's the very hard work. Now, there are some other zone systems that break that down, but they just break down exactly the same points. Yeah. They just have more zones within zone one. They perhaps divide out zone two between, you know, just below threshold and just above threshold type things. But there isn't there isn't physiological differences as to what happens in in the varying percentages of your max it's just how people define that
1: so would, would you say <clears throat> excuse me from the from the point of view of um you know three zones to five zones i only use three zones yeah because it's it, it seems easier to me than anything else rather yeah. than having five like you say and then being maybe a little bit worried that you've wandered into your zone <laughs> lower zone two or upper zone three and then you know wandered into four and then come back again and you know at least with one two and three um you know you're as far as your training goes then you know you're less panicked by how far you've wandered off the beaten track sometimes there's a bigger percentage i suppose to allow for that yeah with the three zones so
0: yeah and the i think the quantification of training is certainly uh A PDF up on um, the website at the moment, up at uh, coachjobeer.com or jbst.com, which was a presentation for the triathlon show. And it's basically saying, look, this is the percentage that like an Olympic distance Olympian does. And over, off the top of my head, over three quarters of swim, bike and run training was in zone one, i.e. it was below 80% max heart rate. You take Ironman athletes, and again, they're talking about 85, even 90% of their training is in Zone 1. So I think it's good to have zones, but lots of times people have zones and still go out and let other people change their training plan. Because if we've got zones, that tells us what goes on at certain points. If we've got a goal, that tells us what is the most likely type of training that we need to work on to be good at that if you're an iron man you don't need to do too much interval and high intensity training because the amount of icing that you're adding is so tiny you need a big cake you need perhaps not always long sessions but you need a diesel engine that's strong you don't need a you know a very fragile engine that, that sort of supposedly goes quick and everyone's got a limit as to whatever these training zones or systems give nothing actually gets you to a higher peak by some magical, you know, secret entrance to another 10% of ability. It's actually just making sure that you quantify what you do and you know how that has to change in order that you get better. And sometimes it's people saying yes, I need to get better at keeping my zone one stuff. I get, you know, I get dragged into other people's sessions to go too hard. Or I need to really dial in my intervals and do a very deliberate, you know, four-minute hard effort. And then I've got to give myself maybe three, four, five minutes to recover to repeat it. And if you're using zones, all that happens is you you set out a prescribed session. And afterwards, the zones pretty much show you that was what you did. And I think sometimes people think just because they've got training zones, they can bounce up and down through multiple zones when they weren't meant to be doing it. And then all they're doing is showing, really, you can be sporadic in training and not specific. And there's a big difference between the two.
1: And with... other reasons but like 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 we said when we first ever started to talk about i mean i know you've been going on for going on going on going on joe but <clears throat> excuse me about zones for you know forever and a day just like tires etc cetera, etc cetera. um and uh, it's the reason people have got to when you get set in these zones people just go oh, i just need to know what zones i need to be in but you need to know why you are in those zones yes and yeah. you and you need to know Why you've been set that and why the length of time, you know, needs to be, you know, two to four weeks or two to six weeks or, you know, at this particular. And what people have a tendency to do, I've just been told to stay in zone one or I've just been told to stay in zone two. And if you actually said to them, well, why do you think that is? I just got told that. Mm. And you know you 've got to understand from your physical point of view and it 's got to be for your own for your own sanity as well yeah. sometimes because you just think i 've been doing this for weeks now why 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 am I doing it and then look back through your notes or look back with your coach and and just go all oh, right well that 's the reason you know why i 'm doing it is because mm. this isn 't this, this. there 's no point in just aimlessly just keep going i 've been told zone one i 've been told mm. zone one mm. you know they, you have to understand your reasonings yeah. for it yeah. why you are doing it yeah
0: yeah and all of the systems all of the systems have you know there's systems of i think we've said before you know seven and eight and probably even 10 zones in one particular instance but all of them will have anything from one to i think up to three components that are what you'd say the bread and butter area starting at 55 percent of max heart rate going up to 80 percent of max heart rate some um might be eighty two eighty three percent but that that I think is is giving people too much leeway to say, "Oh no, no, I need that extra three percent now most people and most systems say eighty percent of maximum is the point at which you're not even meant to be at eighty you're meant to be way off that eighty is eighty is you re- you've already got yourself caught on the barbed wire, you know you're meant to be off that, you're meant to be at least five percent off that, and it doesn't mean, oh yeah, but I could be training for ten beats harder." Yeah, but for the point of that session, if it's an endurance-based session, the point of it isn't to try and see how far you can go at, say, you know, maximum zone one. It's just to get time in the bank. If there's another one that says, this is a little bit of competition play, you're going to go into zone two for deliberate reasons to see what pacing's like, fine. But to actually get the real push from below, you need that high-intensity stuff where it's hard. It's you know, it's hard work. It's it's tolerable, it's not impossible. It's hard work if you're healthy, if you've been consistent with your base, you just suck it up. And people exactly, conversation today, yeah, I really it really felt good. It was really good to push hard. Yes, it was harder than the easy stuff, but yeah, I get the point now why the easy stuff has to be easy. Yeah, and that's, that's it. You're bouncing between things, not just on a whim of, oh, how do I feel? Or, I don't know, I've not really got much confidence. I know, I'll go and do some efforts. No. What was the point of today? Was it endurance? Was it skill? Skill might not get your heart rate up, but it's still valid. And if it's a hard day, right, how hard do I need to go and is that is that you know somebody's zone 3 is it somebody's zone 5 to know where you've got to be then afterwards you should see that and I had a classic instance of somebody saying oh yeah it was meant to go out and do my endurance ride but other people turned up and before I know it it was it went hell for leather they spent 30 minutes in zone 2 and uh, ended up having a bit of a kind of conflab with the rest of the uh, group about what the hell was that all about I thought that was meant to be a steady state ride so I think you've got to understand lots of people know this heart rate monitors they know there's even um, zone systems and they know they've got a plan but they can't put all three of those things together and actually say no I don't need to go that fast today and then people go what do you mean you don't need to go that fast surely you've got to race that person they're up the road and you're trying to beat that person go on run faster catch them up no that's not what it's about it's about you doing your plan of sessions and then, if you want people to race you, either put a number on or set up a session where you know each of you knows you're going in for it, for a bit of yeah, bit of competition, work, bit of yeah, bit yeah. of fun, bit of competition. But it wasn't accidental. Somebody felt good, and everybody else suddenly felt bad.
1: Yeah, and I th- so I think from that, Stuart, really, is you need to establish. Would you say go out and establish? Um, maxes in each of the sports there so or um, would you think that's a bit too much i'd say
0: to be fair get a max on the bike because it's an easier one to um to actually get done using power um train using that on the bike and then see if you impose those heart rates how that actually affects your run if your run is massively affected by the fact that um let's say your 5k average heart rate is so much higher than your 10 mile time trial average heart rate and they're within you know two to five minutes of one another but one of them is like 15 beats higher than the other well okay then your running heart rate is significantly higher okay you need to then um adjust the zones as necessary you can do max runs and you can do max bikes and people will do it and they'll find where their max is max rarely changes so once you've found it if you've done the proper test and you haven't been tired and it was you on a good day and you do take enough time to really take it serious it's going to be harder than a triathlon A max test is harder than a triathlon because you go into the you know the sort of hard stuff the very hard stuff the The OMG, what's this going on, and then the eventual stuff where you've got to be so motivated to keep pushing those last couple of workloads. And if you're not, you don't quite get max heart rate. It'll be close. There's not many people that fail by, you know, like 10 beats. If they do, they're too tired and then we have to say right there's more factors than this max test you're too tired to get your heart rate out
1: well, when we say you go into the red but with a max test it's almost like going into the black then white isn't it really you know that's how that's how hard you should be going
0: absolutely so i think you know Stuart, it's a good it's a good thing to find out more about your heart rates it's good to have as an idea of what zones you're going to use and what they mean for you but also that you keep learning about how race data it's still racing so it still resets perhaps what percentage you can push for what period of time but they all start to come back and point towards if you know somebody's max you know what they should be able to do over a certain number of minutes if you know somebody's one hour effort you can then work out what their max is they're all percentages of one another there's no surprises and i think the more that you can actually use that as confidence so that when you're self-coaching you can actually um I think you can actually have confidence that what you're doing makes sense fundamentally, which is the base is at the right level. It's not too competitive. The hard work is done as hard work and any competitions you can get, which you can learn um, perhaps pacing afterwards or that, you know, you were fatigued and when you tried to do a good effort, it it wasn't there. You said about um, other literature, in the talk that is a pdf there's two pdfs at jbst.com it refers to something that's called um road to gold and it's a pdf that shows the training for cross-country skiers and stuff we spoke about last month month, and that's really um that's really useful just to give you an insight as to you know what some of the best people on the planet can actually do from a training perspective and how it still it works out zones they work out sessions they don't go maximally hard during most of their training. they do a bit more hard work as they approach their goal, um, but they're still professionals they're a lot younger than most people, therefore their ability to recover is a lot better. but know your heart rate zones and
1: you'll know yourself that 's it and like you said, just education is the is the way to go you know even even if you're doing it wrong, you can then look at what you've got look at what you're doing and then you can work out where you're going wrong rather yes. than just bimbling on aimlessly
0: going yes, wrong Go, oh, yeah. I don't really they, know where that yeah. went because you know, there, are, there, are, there are athletes that don't use heart rate that are very good at, um, at, at controlling themselves and knowing they go easy when they go easy and they go hard when they go hard and then there are people that just get influenced constantly by what they should do by people around them and they're always second guessing themselves so they're never sort of saying i'm going to stick to this i'm going to watch my base training works i'm going to use base training for good skill just to relax and not use every session to try and develop themselves you can't go out and every session you're pushing longer harder further it's like no it doesn't work like that most training sessions actually have to be relatively relaxed but the hard sessions have to be properly hard and you've got to have an idea of well what does that mean in terms of um for triathlon you know, in terms of swim speed in the pool bike speed or power power really um and and what heart rates these things should give you so that if you if you go really hard you should see what the number is and you should feel that sensation but if you start to notice that you're too tired from going too fast in your longer sessions you're starting to do too many things at once yeah. and i think that's the hardest part about zones is realizing that it is going to slow you down on some days but it's going to be a whipping boy on other days and it's really going to want to force you to work hard good question good thank you steward um this is a this is a uh, a follow-up to i think the podcast before last which is the competition, which was the um, no-pins competition. Uh, and this was an entry, this came in on the contact form as number 1132. We didn't have 1132 entrance to the competition, but this is just, it's it's just how we printed it out. Um, this was from Earl, and Earl said, the super suit is Italian lycra, which was the correct answer. And there you go, well so, done. So, uh, got his email, so we will email him and he will have a... 50 60 pound voucher to spend on goodies um we've got to think of another competition and i'm actually working on another competition but a much bigger much bigger combination of quite a lot of things and quite a lot of people i want to do a really good like you know get a serious amount of stash and say this is what's up for grabs because then it get people going oh i could have a go yep you can have a go and you know put your name in the hat you might come out of the hat
1: this is it and also we'll um we'll set a question that, that that's a tester. So proper yes. proper tester. Proper tester. Mm.
0: Yes. Perhaps not using one of the previous episodes perhaps using something completely different. This is it. So, um what do we know? Can you give us any insights into the world of Martin Crocker?
1: Um Nothing. it was just a, we've all we we're almost into the season full flow, aren't we? So yeah, you know. So people sp- are racing. This is it. Sport is rife on television, uh, regardless on of, what on the that of the television. So you know whether it be uh, cycling, running. Um, you know, I've I've seen a few of um, a few tries on on television as well. So um, yeah. yeah, so the season has uh, has got off to a grand start, and uh, people people seem to be pretty uh, pretty fit and enthusiastic at the minute. So all good. Yes,
0: uh, I will have some I will have some research updates if I may. Just just little bits and pieces um, about different things that I saw crop up that were good bad or indifferent um caffeine so before mountain bike races or anything do you use caffeine
1: i uh, i do indeed yes so how does martin crocker do it then well what i do is (coughs) being a particularly sensitive soul i um i i don't find that um you need much (laughs) yeah i don't at all i normally take caffeinated gel um about 60 minutes before. Oh, you've been listening. So, if not, I must admit, though, most of the time it's 30 minutes before.
0: Right. Because um, you want it to kick in a
1: bit later <laughs> on in the race. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, ah. and I only need uh, up to 25 milligram. What? That's it. Yeah, but you, you have to bear in mind, Joe, that, like I said, I'm a sensitive person. So, anything more than that. I can go to 40. I've i I've, I've, ex- I've experimented. Um, well, yeah, of course you
0: should experiment
1: with caffeine, anything yeah. Anything over 40, I then... So what about daily caffeine intake, then? I have one cup of coffee Isn't a day, it? if if I have one at all. Wow, wow.
0: Because um, here's a bit of research on uh, caffeine and the effect of extending time to exhaustion. So looking at using caffeine. Um, they had, as, as with many... Things... Yeah, I think you
1: should finish that sentence. They, they've looked at using caffeine. Yeah, and so
0: they've stopped. At, no, 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 I was going to explain further. They've taken um, ten, as I said, hobby male cyclists. I love that. <laughs> hobby, males, hobby. hobby male cyclists. Um, Around 30 years of old... Uh, years, years of old? <laughs> In years of They're old. Not nights. <laughs> <laughs> um, with a roughly uh, 56 to 60 millilitre per kilogram VO2 max. So kind of solid, but not... You know they're not going to be um, getting contracts any day
1: soon. So hang on, is this, this is based on me now. This is what. No, you're it's saying. not based on you. It's not based <laughs> on. You. But they
0: had either a placebo, so there's no caffeine, or they had um, a low dose, which was two milligrams per kilo. Well, it's for two milligrams per kilo. For you means you're still looking at hundred and what are you sixty nine. How dare you, Joseph? I'm, no, I'm 68, 69. Yeah. Oh, well, that's not a bad guess. Oh, I'll give right? you that, I'll give you that. So, you know, you're talking about something like 140 milligrams, Right okay you look at me like that i mean that's just two really strong coffees or maybe one very strong coffee to be fair it depends that's the problem with when people try and use coffee is that um there has been a study done on um it was a certain type of um i think it might have even been nescafe and they absolutely quantified it and said look this is standard this is what would be in every batch this is how much coffee you'd have to use but most of the time sports people will use gels or drinks um and they will you know say right i'll have this amount um And 120 is, there's some 100 milligram, aren't there, caffeine gels. Have you ever tried one of those?
1: Yeah, I've tried, well, I've tried more. I've tried the 150s. Right, 150s. Yeah.
0: And what did you find about that? (laughs) I
1: I was a gibbering wreck. (laughs) I was literally a gibbering It It affects me in different ways, though. That's the thing whereas I think okay, we'll cut to the chase, come on, we don't
0: want to know about your life story and caffeine. <laughs> Why your neck in um
1: i didn't I didn't like it,
0: right was it a bit jittery
1: yes okay. for, and if you if you're kind of handling the bike like mountain bike yeah. wise, not that you take it, but you you make a decision and it is really quick, the decision mm. that you make nine times out of ten, but it's even quicker with caffeine, mm. so of course sometimes that doesn't lend itself to yeah it all panning out a bit like you know open I mean.
0: water swimming some people would take too much caffeine and get too anxious and panicky and, and, about and it panic yeah yeah stuff. yeah but this was so this was a um and this was this is um research from hungary in 2013 so the low dose was two so that would be 130 so that's somewhere between yeah the high dose was seven milligrams per kilogramme <laughs> They're trying to kill people. or Send them to I the mean, moon. If I'm if I'm seventy three, seven are forty nine. That's roughly five hundred milligrams of caffeine. You think they don't need a race? They need a they need an all nighter. They need like a complete like Pete Tong, you know, 12, rave 12 session. Hour rave. I Come mean, Lord. On yeah, seven milligrams per kilogram. And I was just thinking, blimey, you are taking some extremes there, aren't you? Um, anyway, they did find that. Um, uh, Positive effect on endurance was found, um but only after the dose of seven the low dose didn't show any ergogenic effect. So either these hobby cyclists in this particular exercise were whacked off their trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I think people that are used to caffeine, particularly with studies like this, it depends. I'm n I am i have not read the whys and wherefores of it, but sometimes they don't have long enough periods where people um or absolutely getting rid of caffeine, Yeah, yeah. that sometimes can affect people. If you're used to taking caffeine and you suddenly stop, you can have massive withdrawal symptoms. You can have real cold turkey by the fact you're used to having, um, you know, two, three, four cups of coffee just to, like, function before midday, which, when you're not, you obviously notice the sensitivity of caffeine. And I think it's a habit thing. The more people get used to it, I mean, I've known people that amount, I've known people get up to seven milligrams, and it's been this slippery slope they've kind of almost got used to having more 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 yeah, yeah. and so they feel as though probably they get so it's not that you don't have an effect at the lower amount three seems to be the sweet spot three milligrams per kilo seems to be more than enough for most people but not too much but i think what happens is if people get used to that at first that feels like quite a surge Well, if you do it too often it no longer feels like a surge therefore you go to another level but seven milligrams per kilogram, I was just like, wow. So be- when you're using, if you're using like <laughs> 25 milligrams, you're using 0.3 of a milligram per kilogram. It's just like, blimey.
1: But, but then again, with the amount of caffeine that you take, would that be representative of the length of time that you're doing the activity? then i suppose it's how long the caffeine lasts
0: yeah i mean it, it generally peaks and and you know goes up to its maximum effect about an hour that can hold for a while yeah i mean it's not like you get a big you know a, a massive um sudden come down but you do notice that people have been really you know racing on caffeine do get yeah they get they get fatigue because you've still stimulated the nervous system they felt more alert they have pushed harder but then suddenly it's gone so there's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a downside Um, And this was um, this was actually uh, I I don't think necessarily when you're doing something whereby, you know, they were on a static ergometer at a steady state and then they did like a, you know, a graded test to exhaustion that might just show um, the extent to which they're used to doing that scenario. That's maybe that's typical, you know, to work um, for, you know, um, an hour and then to suddenly ramp it up. But for a lot of people, they'd be good at just working at an hour to get exactly everything out of themselves in one hour or just above. Whereas to go for one hour and then to suddenly start, you know, literally ramping it up, um, you know, two watts, two watts a second and just going to... That's a bit different. That's a very strange type of exercise. And I think sometimes when caffeine isn't shown to work... Um, there are people that don't respond. Now you've said even on one gel you respond, so you yeah, are yeah, you're yeah. you're a responder and a very fragile one at that. <laughs> thanks, but, thanks, uh, mum. <laughs> no, no, very kind of you know, very sort of like I'm aware that too much yeah. of this is going to be you're going to quickly flip over this this kind of point of um, of optimum arousal, and then you can drop down the other side and be worse. Your performance literally plummets. Yeah. Other people need quite a bit of caffeine, but maybe they've got used to it. But If you test some scenarios, what you find is it just shows who's good at doing that test. Now, there are plenty of people that say, yes, I use caffeine for racing. Yes, it works. I've no doubt it works, so I use it. And I don't think it's a, a conspiracy. There's enough research to show that it does work. But there are people that do not respond to caffeine. They can, you know, very late in the day, have caffeine and still go to sleep. Other people say look, it's could be 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Look, if I have a coffee after that...
1: My cut-off's midday. Can't have anything after midday. There you go, there you go.
0: So, but so yeah, you know, and that, that might be individual, it might be something that... I mean, I quite like my coffee, and it might be a slippery slope that you just get used to kind of having more of it and you don't realise how much of it you have, but I think it does start by the fact that your your normal perception of how much you need coffee and caffeine is what you've become accustomed to very subtly. And therefore, if you've become used to, you know, you have a coffee at 8 o'clock and then somebody says, do you want another, another one at 10 and another one at 12, another one at 2, you just get used to it. And every one of those is at least at least 100 milligrams. And it's just 100, 100, 100. Yes, some of that goes down over time, but there's still a stimulatory effect. And in sport, you tend to, yes, people can dose in gels. And there's a little bit of research on like, doing multiple jars, but most of the time it's this one hit that's three milligrams per kilo and in many scenarios though not all most people get a performance improvement and if you don't then you're a non-responder if you do but you can do it on less caffeine that might be better because then you don't say oh well you know 200 didn't work so i'll try 300 i oh, 300 i just got used to it so i'll try more and people just get used to more 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 so you you are a, quite a low caffeine yeah yeah, responder. yeah, yeah definitely yeah, um, here we go then. Here's another question. No, uh, no, I'm not. You don't have to look at me like that, as if it was going to be. There you go. It's from. Uh, is it
1: from Ian? I think. Oh, this one is from Ian. Yes. Yeah. It says, um, "How do I ride a sportif? For example, the dragon, which has some bloody big hills in it. Uh, do I keep all in zone one? How many, ta- how many times can I light my candle? If there's an attack, for example, or just go with it, burn it up, and enjoy it." And if I fade out before the end, oh well. Okay, so
0: let me break that down because um, you know you know this one as much as I do. How do I ride it? Well, when you've got big hills, you're not going to stay in zone one, are you? Let's be honest. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to. Well, you could damage limit and say, I really don't want to push myself, so I'm just going to be out there for as long as possible and I'll bimble along. But I think if there's big hills. Um, not long hills, but big i percentages goes up there's no way beyond probably 10 percent that you're going to get up there in zone one you'd have to be pretty short and you'd have to be pretty pretty you know pretty uh good power to wait to get up there and say oh i didn't go out of zone one so he's talking zones which is quite good because in a sportif what you notice is people bounce through quite a lot of different zones when they get long descents when they sit in behind groups they can be in zone one just cruising. But the big hills mean that there's more, um, I guess there's more instances where they've got nothing but to have to just get themselves up the hill and know that, well, it's not, it's, it's not their choice which way it goes. That's the route. Whereas in training, you can choose, I'm not going to go up the biggest hills if I don't want to go out of zone one. Whereas with sportifs, they deliberately make most of them a challenge. And then he said, you know, how many times can I light my candle? Well, it depends how many times, and it means burn, burn his matches, I think, rather than light his candle. But I know what he means. It's the same analogy. If you hit the first hill and go very, very hard, and then you jump on a group and go very, very fast, and then you do the same thing and the same thing. If you're talking about... Um, progressively longer sportifs. So you can just get to the point where, you know, if there is the a course profile that's got very big climbs towards the end and you've already hit your glycogen, you're unable to ever get more than maybe sixty, seventy, eighty grams back in, in most people's cases, therefore you're going to eventually run out of steam and then any steep hill is very, very slow.
1: I was gonna say with sportifs are a bit of a a bit of a kind of I quite like them because some of them are quite unknown. Because, like you said, not every—I would say ninety percent of the people that go there mm. either haven't ridden the terrain before yeah. or or ridden the course at all. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a nice a nice kind of challenge, I suppose. Really, from that point of view, of um, it's random. Yeah, it's yeah. random. So people, everything that I go and do. So regardless of whether it's training or racing, I know. You know roughly what you want to get out of that session, yeah, so with a sportif, you can kind of go well look, i'm not going to do anything, and you know that creeps me over my eighty percent, but like you said, it's virtually impossible when you come to the to the hills so then do you ride the hills where you feel comfortable and then maybe go a bit harder on the flat or back off on the flat so it's a difficult one i i I kind of quite I quite admire the guys that do do the sportifs from the point of view that most most of the guys that do it. Um, get used to all the long distance or longer distance riding, I mm. should say.
0: And I mean, the, you know, the, to quantify the dragon, you know, you've got the the forty five k one that's got like thirteen hundred feet, but you've got the Dragon Devil, which is three hundred kilometres or one hundred eighty miles, um, and that's got eleven thousand feet of climbing. Now those are you know chalk and cheese. And when you start talking about 11,000 feet over 186 miles, uh, I always divide the miles by... So if you take 11,000 divided by um, 186, um, I always look at the, the... That's 60 feet per mile, Okay. There are rides where there was one the other day um i sat down with somebody and tried to work out their strategy for the attack the tour this year that was only like 90 miles but that was 180 feet per per mile mile, so you've got this whole idea of roughly you know roughly how much okay that that 60 feet per mile might mean there's a fair bit of flat bits that get you to the steep bits because you've still got to climb the total of Thirteen thousand feet. So there's still a lot of climbing, but it's spread out, and also being spread out over three hundred kilometres means, blimey, you're going to be on your bike for a fair amount of time. Therefore, you've got the ongoing feeding of just riding one hundred and eighty miles without the thirteen hundred, sorry, thirteen thousand feet in between. And I think with sportives, you've got to have some idea as to how, in the world, you are going to feed enough, pace enough and be canny enough to save energy because the bigger dragon ride is better to stay in zone one where you can because you're out there for a lot of hours. So there you there don't want to be burning your matches too quickly because you're not going to have any after, you know, 300 kilometres is not to be... I mean, that there aren't many sportifs that are 300 kilometres. You know, some of the some of the um etaps that have been big over the last ten years have rarely got near to three hundred kilometers. There's been some flattish ones, but there hasn't been like three hundred kilometers. You don't see many stages on the tour where it's three hundred kilometers. Yeah. You know, they do um, you know, maybe, you know, a hundred and 80 to 200 and something just into the 200s but they'll probably climb 15,000 feet so there'll be a lot more climbing but they'll maybe condense it down so there's literally up down down one one sort of um coal up the next one and it'll be it won't be too much riding on the flat this is a case of Anywhere you can save energy, and on about you know if there's an attack, for example, I mean, blimey, if you st- if if you if there's an attack, yeah, you better be almost like within sniffing distance of the end because an attack's going to do what? I mean, if you attack at what, 200 kilometres into a 300 kilometre <laughs> ride, what what are you going to do for the next hundred kilometres? You've got a <laughs> lot of holding on to do. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's all about the canny part of your brain says if there's an attack, oh, if there's a change of pace. If you stay with these people and you know the course that's coming up, is it wise to use their back wheel to save energy? If that's the right case, yes. If it's the fact there's an attack just before climb, forget it. What, you're going to get to the bottom of the climb quicker, but already be in zone two, where you're only going to be blowing up very, very soon into that ride. There's only so many times any rider in this sort of... Certainly when you start talking about... um, You know certainly the what would it be 140k and upwards scenario there's not many people that can ride that and really punch very hard so you're better to say i've just got to whatever the amount of time i'm on the bike i've got to save energy and if that means i sit behind people i make sure i get the first lot of climbs very carefully controlled um Yes, you can go for it and burn it up, but enjoy it. And if I fade out before the end, oh well. Problem is, if you fade out with 100 kilometres to go, that's not oh well. That's like, oh my lord, I'm... I'm not even, now the phonometer has gone to zero, and what the hell was I doing trying to do that?
1: Yeah, and I know, I'm I'm a firm believer that you don't know, you don't know unless you try, and you only learn, you know, you've got to learn from your mistakes. If you try, you might. If you don't, you won't. That's it. But I think sometimes, with the sportifs especially, it's better it's better to get to the finish line with a little bit left and maybe get your silver award or get your gold gold award, mm. you know, the gold time and go, well, actually, I could have gone, probably could have gone harder there mm. and just be safe in the knowledge that your training's paid off and yeah. your pacing was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um But you had a little bit left than to get 20K from the finish and just think, my, you know, I, I could get off and walk. If I had the energy to get off and walk, I would. Um So I just, you know, I, th- I think, yes, you can't... You don't be afraid to have a burn up, but at what uh, you know, it's got to be very controlled, isn't it? Really, from you've got to know the course
0: profile to have do the. um, Whenever I've done a taps, I've always carried. The, the course profile yeah. any serious distance length sportive, you should know where the big ups are where the feeding stations are and you can see in the tour they have these little maps they sometimes have them now like done as a done as a round kind of map that goes around the stem That's and right. they can just sort of twist it around and work out where they are if you don't know that actually um, let's say it's a 200k ride and um, you're fine but at 160k you've got the hardest steepest bits to come you should have known about that early on, because if you start literally revving up with people and trying to go faster, and they're working fine, but you're working in the limit, and then you get to that point point, think, wow, blimey, what's coming up now? Oh, I didn't know this was coming. Part of being prepared for any sportive is to know the measure of the course. And I think when you start talking about the biggest of those um dragon rides at 300 that's just survival that's being as canny as you can there isn't there isn't a you know start to go from it from 200k out i mean you know it's it's more a case of getting through that let alone getting through it and thinking you're going to be you know um somehow at, at um, you know a very high percentage that's a hell of a long time on the bike just to feed and to mentally keep going is very difficult therefore the, the sense of burn it up uh, might be a sense of well you start to go a bit faster towards the end than people around you that are fading because they've not got their pacing and feeding right and that's the smart bit that's the bit yeah. that says what what amount of hours are you out there for if it's a four-hour event well lots of people can gamble and get away with it but when you start talking about the you know the eight and the ten hour events it it becomes a different prospect then as to you know you you just see people by the roadside just literally sobbing and people that are you know especially if it's um perhaps that won't be super hot in june in the uk but you know some of the european ones and they're looking they're looking burnt and they're looking disheveled and they're just they look i mean it looks like something out of mash i mean it really does <laughs> yeah. but that is almost part of that exciting part of it is that if you've done your homework and you think about it and you think about whether you need arm warmers or arm coolers or a gilet or you know you need to um, carry your own powder or there's going to be enough on the course or whether somebody's out there that can officially hand you food and it's okay and all these little bits that mean you don't just stand and say right chaps here we go 300 kilometers Wahey! you know what I mean it's like no you've got to be very savvy And the savvy bit of me would say, unless you're very used to doing a distance of the event that you're just about to do and you know exactly how to pace it, always be aware it's better to finish strong and to think, wow... Based on you know, based on the clicks left, actually we've probably still got an hour. and I'm feeling pretty strong. Right, this is the best hour to gain places because other people will be weakening. Whereas yeah. early on, loads of people can go fast. People that are so out of their depth, you know that that's their best day, and it's only going to get worse. They go really fa- particularly if you get these situations where everyone tries to get to the first climb, and when you're getting the bigger, the very big races where you're getting five and eight and ten thousand people, and everyone's storming to get to the first climb, and some people that's it that's their race done they can't even get it at the first climb so
1: you it, know. it is and with the sporties that that i've done kind of the, the the local ones especially it is exactly that when you set off you know you've had a look at the course profile um they're relatively local to us so you've kind of ridden on a few of the roads that they join up with so you're going all right well the first one's coming in at about 20k and you we see it every time we go we kind of just just riding around having a bit of a laugh a a giggle a chat as we're going along in a safe manner and um (laughs) and um you've kind of everybody's flown off out of the out of the start gate and you just kind of think to yourself well I know what I've got to do so I'm going along again a bit like you're training in your zones and people along and as soon as you hit that first deal there's people already off and pushing and you're thinking oh good lord we're only 20k into it we've still got another 100k or or, you know another 80k to go and this isn't the worst of the hills so and you know for a fact you think well I've seen them fly off with their mates at you know kind of twenty two mile an hour and you're just thinking, I ain't gonna keep up. And of course you do catch up with them and then there's certain people that you kind of you tag on to and you help out and ha- again just have a ride mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. and when you finish they kinda of come to you and go, Oh, you, what time did you do? And you know, oh, I've done four four hours and got my gold and just go, all oh, right right, that's really good. Yeah, the pacing was really good and some guys you're like, Oh, five and a half hours, I lost an hour and a half because the first deal just blew my back doors off and yeah. then that was it. Yeah. So they're but- so
0: they're so different, they're so random and even some years they change the courses so you can never really get good at the same course but that's that 's the reason why the appeal the appeal yeah, definitely. is there is that every one of them is a different you know it 's not only a different situation year to year, but where you find yourself is going to be entirely different, but the people around you the The weather conditions, how you feel. You know, every year you can unfold a completely different scenario for something that you think is the same event, yet what wheels you do or don't get onto, you can have absolutely mint races where you think, I don't know how I got all that luck together, but it all came together the right groups, the right pacing got me to the finish, partly because you are, you know, it's not it's not a non drafting scenario, it's definitely a drafting scenario for people that have got their heads screwed on. But Every every event and every year at the same event is different. And that's the appealing bit because if you become savvy and work out how to do it, you can actually improve, perhaps from a similar fitness base, you can improve how good you are at becoming a good sportive rider, which isn't just about how fit you are. You've got to be able to pace. You've got to be able to be canny. With riding the wheels, with being able to hold the wheels, being able to you know be be yeah a very good kind of um, very good at sort of uh, the 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 roadcraft, not just whether you've sat on a turbo all winter and you're fairly fit. I think it's actually on their feet can people think you see it on the longer rides can people think can they you know almost almost start to get to that survival thing of working out where can i get food okay there's not an aid station where do i get food how am i going to stay in this group and not slow down and you know all these things start coming into your mind which in training sessions they don't no and sportifs are this Group of things thrown together that could be anything from you know a fairly flat course, which is great, which is you know 60 80k, and people love them up to you know these monumental 300ks or really big you know um, Tour de France stages. But within the whole thing, every one of those has got different situations. And having gone with groups to do the attack, people don't stay together, they do end up getting you know, literally um, pummeled all over the landscape. But what you find afterwards, everyone's stories is so interesting and so amazing. Yeah, How yeah, they yeah. found themselves suddenly in this pack going along at a really good rate and they suddenly realise that, you know, their speed that they thought was dropping away suddenly improved to somebody that, you know, as a, you know, multiple blowout. And every every... Every one of them is a different adventure. That's what's exciting. It's not oh, I went up and down this dual carriage way, oh, and oh, within two seconds of what I did, you know, a year ago, and oh, this ain't got any good. It's oh, it's it seems to be every scenario is fun, um, as long as back to back to Ian's question. As long as you don't light your candle, burn your matches, however you term it, you don't do that, and afterwards go, oh, I got that completely wrong. <laughs> I got that so wrong.
1: But if you do get it wrong. You know, you actually, I, I actually, I feel as though that there's more respect to be given, but you need to take something from it. There's yeah. no point in doing it wrong and then going and do it again, <coughs> and then just turn around and going, "Oh yeah, I did it again," because that's that's just like yeah. that's hammering your head against a brick wall. So
0: yeah, and, and they're fun, they're good. I love them. I think loads of people love them, but I think you have to you have to work out how do you best get through these things. And there's some simple things to do, um, but uh, can't tell you all the secrets, can we? This is it. Um, another question, this is from uh, Michael Laxton, uh, the sport is triathlon, and he says, um, and I'll try and get this through as quickly as possible, hi Joe, currently listening to the podcast for March, uh, great podcast by the way, uh, just had a question about progress and how suddenly it can hit you. I've literally just got in from a mid-week short run, uh, done at zone one, maximum 75%, good to hear Uh, I've done plenty of this sort of work John Winter and suddenly found that as I've been checking my heart rate monitor it was a bit under where I would expect it to be in terms of beats per minute on the flats I've been holding 150 158 just shy of 75% however tonight on the same route I found that by feel I was actually running at a slightly faster pace and being still at around 153 beats so that's about five beats lower Um, I've not had a sudden slap in the face in terms of of progress like this since I got my heart rate monitor in January. Is this normal? The heart rate monitor was set up properly. I stopped to check it hadn't slipped away from my chest, and the readings weren't all over the place. My time per mile was gone from nine twenty one to now eight fifty eight in terms of for the same pacing um i'd be ecstatic if this was simply me getting better but it all just seemed too good to be true i thought this might make a good podcast topic your thoughts would be appreciated thanks mike Um, well mike this was this was march and this is this is one of those thank you emails because it proves that at some point in spring people will start to get this what I call eureka moment. And I say to people, and if you don't, you know, if you don't do your training right, you don't get this. When people go, do you know what? I've just suddenly, like, started going quicker. And it hasn't been sudden, but there's a tempo of movement. There's perhaps a heart rate. May even be that, you know, by, this was, this was sent to me in March. So, you know, this was pretty much... Um, uh within when we start to get a bit of sort of brighter weather, we certainly noticed it. We had some brighter days. You're getting more sunshine, that's not far off the um spring equinox, you're getting longer daylight, but there's this sense that perhaps he perhaps he gets outdoors a bit more, whatever. There's a trigger and you start to notice, wow, my body's come out of winter, and here he goes, he's you know dropped five beats. He's gone from 921 to 858. Now, he hasn't done that, as some people think, which is, well, I started at 9.21 and every week I just tried to run faster. Oh, great, yeah, that's that's going to do you the world of good. Because you get to a point where just to get out and run, you have to psych yourself up to get out and think, I've got to get faster, I've got to get faster. He's let it naturally happen. And I know he said... You know, it's funny, I said, I'd be ecstatic to see if this was simply me getting better. I wish more people had the humility to realise that this is what happens. Most of them, it, no, it should be happening. Why is it not happening now? What, what's going on? Well, this guy's proved it. He's not one in a bazillion. He's actually just done exactly what he should do, which is he's done plenty of work. And he doesn't go up to 80%. He says a maximum of 75%. So he's even giving that little buffer saying, I'm not going to push it to the limit, but I'm getting faster. What's going on? Well, Mike, you've come out of winter. And lo and behold, without trying, your base work has got quicker. Or if you go back to running 921, you'd notice your heart rate probably bumps down like 10 or 15 yeah, beats. Off, yeah, That's yeah. the point of base work. Not to always keep your heart rate up, but at a certain pace, people start saying, I can't run at the top of zone one now. It's just too fast. And I know for some... They think I'm joking when I say you should find eventually the top of zone one is is fast. Like, well, it just just seems slow. If it still seems slow, you haven't let the penny drop because you've got to be doing your base slow enough for it to be absorbed. If it's not slow enough, you don't only not absorb your zone one work, but you've made yourself now more tired for any other quality work. And we don't know whether Michael actually has done quality work, but I don't think he doesn't know. just sort of says, you know nothing about you know i've been doing these intervals or whatever but you know checks his heart rate strap and then he goes wow i'm now you know running 23 seconds per mile which is still the kind of increment you expect a little subtle nudge in the right direction so every time he trains he's either putting less strain to run at what feels like a normal tempo or now he's doing the same kind of physiological thing but moving quicker
1: i think this is where like a perceived um you know your your feeling of how how you 're going along then comes into play a fair bit as well, because it tells you quite a few things you know, like if you are feeling tired, then you can kind of think well I felt quite hard, but you know my heart rate reflected the fact that you know it's it's where i wanted to be you know Mm, it's well mm. within my kind of zone one so it kind of tells you quite a few things about that not only has the like you said the penny has dropped you Mm. know that well surely that's why i've been doing these under 75 percent kind of zone one um runs rides etc etc so and maybe
0: maybe he's you know he's one of these people that if somebody's very fit at the end of let's say september october we don't expect that person to just carry on getting fitter and fitter and fitter. I mean, you must you must know that you yeah, get to the yeah, end, yeah. and and you know it's going to drop off. You're going to you know it's not like oh I must save it, I must save it. We're going into the wrong conditions from October to December. We're getting less and less daylight. Um, physiologically, we are we are descending. We are not as good, and you know it yourself. Even if you try and train, it's very difficult to keep peak form. In that time. So you're always going to get this sense if you get to October, there's this, you know, and certainly by most people's instances, September, there's just going to be a decline of fitness, which if you don't fight it and you work on your strength, you work on your skill, you don't try and maximise your endurance and then say, well, you know, round about December, maybe even January, I'm still going to be bouncing on the bottom and then gradually come up. Lo and behold, that's what Michael can see. He's now coming up out of winter going, blimey, I'm now getting quicker. And at some point that will go on, you know, let's say it goes 8.58. And this would be very nice for you to get back to us and finds by you know, middle of the summer peak. We don't know his distance, but we know he's doing triathlon. He might be saying, wow, And that's 75%. I can now run eight. 28 that's almost a minute faster than what I was doing in the winter yes that'll be fine but don't expect that to hold and then just keep going and every year you're just getting a minute faster a minute faster at some point you go out and you do the runs you go yes actually it's quite nice end of season feeling maybe again we're talking October I feel quite fit and then you start to notice you know might be two weeks four weeks six weeks later actually I can start to feel the winter now and I'm no heavier and I've not done anything what's happening is the the fitness ability is being suppressed from above and whatever you try and do that's going to happen so it'd be really nice to hear back from him find out how fast he goes because this is this is March we should see another three or four months of development further um maybe some of that could come from racing maybe some of it can come from more base um it's difficult to know how people get fitter once they've got their base in place yeah. but he's he's proven that yeah if you do the right stuff Um, and he said, you know, it was a short run, that's fine, short runs and, and, you know, fill-in sessions don't have to be seen as inferior, actually, it did exactly what it needed to do, it trained him, it got his heart rate up to 75%, but lo and behold, he's suddenly saying, wow, I'm now 23 seconds per mile without trying, which is brilliant, That's, that's proper base training, that's not, oh, how do I get quicker, oh yeah, I've gone a few more minutes into zone two this week, yeah, but that means you're trying to push your Zone 1 training. If you're out of Zone 1, when you're doing Zone 1 training, you're getting it wrong. It should stay in there. And he maybe has been more diligent than some, and that's why he's seeing this benefit. And as he goes through March to April, April to May, May to June, he'll see that subtle increase. That does assume everything in his life, his injuries, his recovery, his work, all is conducive. Because if it isn't, he could easily go backwards and say, oh, I'm back to the 921,
1: and God, it feels hard again and when the penny drops it it's like you said it's almost a eureka moment because you kind of i mean like my, for instance i look back through data just to see where it kind of you know you can almost know where the market where the penny drops where yeah, you go yeah. oh yeah that's that that's where that's why i've been doing all my base is yeah. that point there when yeah. you just go Oh, this is really easy, but I remember three months ago when I was going along, it was it was really diff. It felt really difficult, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden you kind of take a deep breath and right. I go, all right, that, and
0: I've, and I've always said there. at least at least Valentine's Day or just beyond is where it can happen. Um, depends if somebody's in the um, UK because you'll have more. Um, more of a sense of spring the more southern you are because of i think it's to do with how quickly spring comes and therefore there must be a situation to do with daylight length between um the very far south of the uk and the very north of the uk because there is a difference in when the flowers kind of come up and stuff like that there is a there's like a um five six week difference seriously between like if you get like something don't, don't be turning all wizard on me no, there Joseph. No, it 's not wizardry it's all to do with it's why it 's why there is a a physiological basis on which performance is still you can't you can 't fight what 's going on around you you can you can try and work harder than the conditions prevail but you know, there's no. I think there's a very clever... OK, you could say it's to do with the, the, the timing of the seasons, but it's very clever how Bradley Wiggins has shown the middle of summer for an hour record, whereas other people have been trying to do it at the back end of winter. OK, some of them have been Southern Hemisphere, so they've been at the very end of their summer, but it's very smart for peak competitions and hence the olympics is a good example where the summer olympics is smack bang in the summer hence the name summer but you look at records they tend to happen when the conditions prevail such that daylight and temperatures are better for athletes so in december you are unlikely to be at your absolute physiological best if you're listening to this podcast in the northern hemisphere And what we notice as we move out of winter is just these conditions prevail. And things like this heart rate change show his body, not with him pushing it, you know, he hasn't suddenly brought an altitude tent or, you know, moved location to somewhere where he's living, you know, much higher. It's just that, oh, right, my body's coming out of winter and it's getting quicker. And I always think by now, by March, there's a sense of if you've done your base and you can um, look at some good consistency or say, actually, I still need to get my base done, but I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to still keep the base work. It's amazing what the next two or three months can give you. But you can't rush bass. You can do some hard work. But it's these little Eureka points that you just go, "Wow, I'm not trying." But and we've all got it. You know, look at the wattage and the heart rate. Blimey, that's all right. Not pushing it. That's just a steady session. And the numbers, be the speed of running. Um, sometimes the, uh, the fitness in swimming can can be visible, but there's as much a technical aspect to it that doesn't always correlate. You know, people can say, "Blimey." This is the off-season, but why am I swimming so well? Well, just because you're putting more effort into it, because you're not going outdoors, therefore your technical ability has got better. But it's very good to hear from people like Michael, because there are some that think that, you know, base is a waste of time, and somehow there's these, you know, lots of intervals you could do all the time and do it, and think, no, there's there's got to be an underpinning of base work, but that has to be as diligent as, yes, I did my really hard intervals, yes, but did you do your really easy base work and if you don't you're getting the bit wrong that's bigger anyway which is 75 80 90 percent of time it's that base work that supports everything else so if we don't get that right why
1: should the rest of it work anyway that's it and and with with michael's point as well is that should be a mark in your diary now in your training diary you know that should be in red or that that should be in a, a bold um kind of print or, or or the italics need to be different to say look this is where my kind of the eureka, italics, oh, the italics of it all but this is where you know this is where my eureka moment happened this is yeah. where i felt that that base training had starting that zone one training and with us coinciding with changing to the um to the to the spring slash summer you know the lighter weather coming that should be a mark in your diary where you go right Back from here is is where I trained in the, in the zone ones. Did my hard work. Did my eighty percent, you know, of my years training slash or eighty percent of my work is in that that one zone one. Whereas you know now going forwards, you know, I still got a few more weeks slash mm. maybe month months mm. Mm. to do a little bit more, and then you can start yeah. chucking in kind of the and, tasty it, and it depends stuff.
0: on the you know on the distance and the type of if somebody's going for you know longer distance stuff it just shows that their economy of movement is is good and that they can do perhaps longer sessions and take less out of their body if they're doing if he's a a shorter perhaps sprint olympic it just means his base is good and the quality work should should work well by the fact that his body's ready to want to go faster you know if you're not if you're not able to control your zone one I'm sorry, but you're not really ready to be doing too much high-intensity stuff. You've got to keep in Zone 1 for Zone 3, as I would call it, for that quality work, certainly at and above threshold, that has got to be built on a bigger base, If the bigger base is too fast, it's not base. The moment zone one is in zone two, it's not zone one. And I know that's really pedantic, but it's not. There's a physiological line there. Luckily, Michael's saying, I keep below 75%. Eureka, brilliant, thank you. You are not trying to push it to the nth degree. You're trying to keep it down a bit. So it's nice to hear that. And also, don't be surprised. You're doing the right things to get that sort of progress.
1: Okay. you always want to go ta-da yeah, yeah, ta-da. You? yeah. thank you yeah. Yeah. Well, proof
0: of concept and there's, there's plenty of people it's when people don't get it and I I do sense sometimes a, a frustration in questions of well, why, why am I not getting quicker and it, it may be that you know there are background effects that mean that um, you know, perhaps something has changed physiologically in them that they're not aware of or they're just not good at doing this the slow steady stuff and yes it is slow Right, you put your hand up. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it, I thought you were quite good. I, at... I am. I am now because it it was literally a case of going. I don't really get it. Why? You know, I my training, my my old training used to be, you know, used to go out and if I felt a bit tired, do something easy and then chuck myself up a few ills or something like. that. It was too random. But now, that there's a there's a definite reason to why. Um, you know the zone one stuff is done because you get that lit, it, and it is almost like a, a line in the sand. Yeah. Where you you get to that point, and you step over it and go, "Oh, I get it now. Oh, that's, yeah, the, reason yeah, that's yeah. the reason why. That's the reason why you. You know, that's the reason why Joe Arpa's on about it all the time. But it it is one of those things where you kind of, once it happens, you know why it happens. It happens again if you know what I mean. It's not by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. No, no, so- it's not. And there's and there's a
0: you know there isn't a this is the principle according to Joe Beer. I'm just the messenger that looks at the data and is always trying to see what what you know what little differences can we make. There's certainly differences in how much interval people need to do, how much um, people need to think about their you know their technique. Or in some cases, look you you can. Uh, let's call it equipment dope, more than you can ever train. You're already at the limit of your training physiologically. You know, your body's either not able to take any more or is already trained. But look at your equipment. Wow, you can gain things significantly there. But there, there is a, you know, there is such a um, solid basis on which these theories of training are now espoused by i saw an article the other day in um triathlete magazine saying why running slow makes you faster there was another one about make sure you get your differences um it wasn't in triathlete it was a different magazine um might be an online one saying this is what you do and it's all saying exactly the same thing sometimes terminology is slightly different but they're saying look you've got to build the miles you've got to put the miles in the bank whatever the old school methodology that's what they did and they, they built it without saying, oh, no, no, that's not fast enough. They just said, that's what you've got to do. And if you're not fast enough, I'd kind of be really, really harsh and say, sorry, but not everybody is fast. You can only do, we we do that thing at, at, at training camps where you get people to run round and they nose breathe and the, the people that can run fast for 10k are at one end of the line and the people that run slow at the other end of the line. But they all prove that there is not a um a social um equality of sport it's massively um sort of geared towards some people being naturally gifted and sometimes people can push themselves hard for a while and sort of believe they can train faster but they're just training a lot more in zone two and that will that will eventually fall apart it can only be done for a while it can be done I'm not saying you can't train a lot in zone two, but it is ineffective and it is not the best um, long term thing to do. And something will break along the way, either the mentality, either the ability to motivate themselves to do it time and time again, or their body would just say, can't do that. That's just really, really hard. So I think although it stretches people's comprehension of training and it does actually have to really make you say am i just going out and i just want to go out and race in training fine if you want to do that i say chocks away go out and do it but don't think you're being the most effective athlete you can be. And if you do want to be the most effective athlete you can be, well, we've just got several hours of free advice that are here. The PDFs that are the website are from absolute, you know, when when somebody in a research study has a VO2 max of 92, you stop and you read what they do because they are effectively an athletic god. They are somebody that, OK, if they've got 92, somebody say, oh, they can get away with anything. No, they've got a V12 turbocharged nitrous oxide engine they could easily break themselves they can do so much damage Mm -hmm. physiologically and therefore they're still a human being that has limitations and can break but their methodology isn't any different from the people that were in the study earlier that weren't training but were taking the caffeine and had vo2 maxes of just below 60 there's no difference in how you train those individuals physiologically you have got the same cells the only difference is how young or old they are how much they're used to doing training and what their eventual goal is but it doesn't flip upside down and say no i'm i'm very impatient i haven't got the time to train and i want to be better oh well okay then do it all fast and that'll work because it doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah, like it really that. doesn't work like i that. do like that you know and it's like if you can break the model please send me the evidence there is you know there's good high intensity things like um I'm trying to think of the different videos and different... Um, uh, I'm working on some MP3s at the moment, actually, for people to do interval work for. And, and I like that myself because I like music that really makes you you know, work hard. But that's only for that session. And other stuff, you want to go out and happily run and have no care in the world but just time on your feet. And I think that if we can tweak this model in any way, it's just making sure that these little indicators like Michael's change of heart rate or your sense of right, I really need to get myself buckled down with um, with, with doing the bass right, is just keeping ourselves in check and sometimes patting ourselves on the back saying, blimey, I've done 40 hours in the last month. I can't be doing much more. I'm an amateur. If that doesn't make a difference, then nothing will. And then you have to say, well, that's your lot. Sorry, that's your lot. If you know a different way to change it, if you get the proportions bang on right, the cream rises to the top If you're not the cream and most of us aren't, then we've just got to get the most out of ourselves, stay motivated, do some different things, try some different things, but not sort of somehow think, oh, I just wasn't training hard enough. I think most people do train hard enough. I really do. I think, if anything, they train too hard too often and sort of think that that's the norm and not realise how hard work can only be done several times a week. Good question, sir. Oliver Saxon sent a Twitter. And he said, um, this was when was this? This was March eleventh. So again March eleventh. Sent 11th. a Twitter. Sent a Twitter. Or tweeted a Twitter or Tweeted. Tweeted a Twitter. Um to at Coach Joe Beer, which is the uh Twitter feed for you to send things. And he said, Hi Joe, just listen to the podcast. Uh, and beetroot was mentioned again Um, I can't stand the taste or smell of it (laughs) is there an alternative and then I said um, let me get you a a list of high nitrate um, foods together which I'm still working on but I will send it to you Um, and I'll add it to the I'll add this to the podcast question and answer next month and then he said uh, thanks Joe I live and train in the beetroot capital of the UK and have and have to put stuff on my gloves to cover the smell, which I kind of. I can see in, you know, like the uh, the old um, uh, ring-a-ring-a-roses pocket full of posies. I can see my his posies to stop the the smell of beetroot. I don't know. Just bizarre. anyway, he went on through several other tweets to say that um, he even tried some of the um, little shots um, at an expo, and he said to the people, "Does it taste like beetroot?" They said, "No." He said, "You sure it doesn't taste like beetroot?" He said, "Yes." He took some and then absolutely spat it out everywhere because it tasted like beetroot. So I get it. Some people don't like beetroot. And there are other uh, things of which I know. Um, celery, celery And um, there's another one um, off the top of my head. Uh, rocket lettuce, I think, is quite high in nitrates. There's quite a few foods. It's just beetroot seems to be the one that is one of the highest. Um, and that then coupled in with some rowers these are trained rowers these are rowers um that are um highly trained um i don't know their exact statistics but they were given b troop and they were given it two hours before which normally it's normally an hour but I'll, i'll take it it was two hours before in this instance i think sometimes it's two hours sometimes it's an hour but they gave them like you know B with no nitrate, B with four point two millimoles and B with eight point four millimoles. And uh despite there being a difference when they took double the amount, it was actually only roughly two seconds faster rowing over two thousand meters. And this seems to
1: suggest
0: uh as with a couple of other um research studies on very highly trained people the B-trip might make a tiny 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 difference Um, now what happens if you train those people for longer periods of time um, we don't know if you, you know if, you, if they use it more often rather than one scenario they're all very good but oh yeah these can still get two seconds quicker which two seconds quicker um I'm sure you've watched plenty of uh, races in the Olympics two seconds is enough to cover three boats so two seconds would be significant but it doesn't sound a lot when people think blimey I could probably train two seconds quicker when you're highly trained you probably can't train another two seconds quicker so it probably depends on where you're looking for the benefit but, but, the,
1: but the benefit gets greater
0: the slower you are if you know what i mean it does seem
1: if a, to be yeah.
0: that people that use it um there's there's an economy of movement difference you definitely get more economical muscles when you have beetroot not everybody but most people um lots of people uh can get on with beetroot but don't really like it some people love it and say great good excuse to eat you know 200 grams of beetroot or drink half a liter a day um
1: your face just went a funny shape. I then. Couldn't, I couldn't drink half a liter a day. Couldn't you? Okay, those sh- the the actual Beat It Sport shots. I find
0: uh, Martin isn't sponsored, but he said their name anyway. There are other
1: <laughs> there are other varieties. Other varieties available. <laughs> available. Um, but I what's that Beat It T-shirt you got on? there? <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> <right, it's laughs> He's, He's got a banner now. he got I find those perfect because perfect. If you, if you don't like the if you don't like the taste of beetroot, yeah. it's probably a depending on the size of your mouth, I guess. It's like a mouth and a half kind of like like a, a, a two swallows i say all right um makes a summer yeah that's right apparently but i find them quite quite you know d- Palatable yeah. for those, and I wouldn't say I'm a big. I'm not. A, I'm not against beetroot. Get me wrong. I'm not against. You're, it. you're beetrootist. Yeah, that's right. But you know, I I, I, eat, I eat beetroot. It's not a problem. You know, it's so not a problem. You just put it in. You chew it, you're and that's it. it. It's marvelous stuff. You want to try it? um <laughs> I love it. I for, absolutely yeah, love beetroot. But for people that that kind of can can stomach the taste, or yeah. or. or can just about stomach it the little beat it shots are perfect if you don't want to polish off half a liter but
0: obviously there are people that have different have different um flavors and tastes that that either do or don't do it for them um and i will make sure that i uh i send oliver and what i'll probably do is make a list and then put it as a pdf on the website that's probably the best way to do it but it was interesting that, you know, he he sort of said, you know, I just can't get on with it. And therefore there may well be, or there are already, you know, sports nutrition companies working on um, nitrous oxide type uh, supplements where people could drink it in a drink as opposed to, you know, taking it. I would prefer to have beetroot because I think it's a more natural thing with loads of other things in it, particularly if you have beetroot, fibre, other vitamins, et cetera. But um, interestingly, some people just don't get on Can with it. stomach it, no? no and the the percentage is small it has been measured up as far as 3% improvement but that tends to be on less trained the highly trained i don't know how high um but certainly a lot of people have reported not through being you know easily easily sort of fooled but just sort of say yeah i definitely was 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 training well and I'm you know perhaps it triggers other responses in their habits and eating and stuff but I think there's something in it I don't I don't think it's a it's a fluke that you know one person's found and everybody else is trying to look for and find there actually are enough studies that show improvement but there may be certain scenarios where people respond better there may well be people that just respond a bit like some people don't respond to caffeine there may be people that just don't respond to nitrates or are eating enough nitrates already that they don't you know you'd have to to literally deplete people for a period of time totally to say let's get nitrates out of the system to see that you're all down to equal then put it back in and i think then you'd notice a big difference okay i think we're almost an hour 20 and i have to say at that point most people in april have probably had enough of us i reckon
1: (laughs) well how how can they how can you have enough of us Of course they can of course they can
0: um Let's give us, give us one more tip from the Martin Crocker tip of life to give everybody a better
1: training month. We're almost at the point, I think, where we should be looking at tr- changing or checking um, things not like... our chains. <laughs> no, not, 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 doing We're not that our well.
0: chains or our goggles or our running shoes. No. I, Although I think you should.
1: I think, yeah, I think tyres. <laughs> Don't start, don't start. I told you, didn't I? Don't start. No. It's, it, I mean, to be honest, at the minute, I think everybody's just itching to kind of get going. You know, if you've had a good winter's training, if you haven't had a good winter's training, you know, the sun's coming. So, you know, at least if you've... <laughs> there'll be people there that have probably missed two training sessions and gone, season's over. Season's over already. Yeah. So don't fret, people. The, no. uh, the sunshine's almost here.
0: And I think also, you know, the... The scenario of every of every every winter every spring every season always presents different challenges it's not who turns up has had everything in their favor I think the the measure of real true um, uh, athletes and 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 people that take their athletic endeavors into the rest of their life is the fact that you don't just throw your toys at the pram when you haven't had quite the aerobic development or quite the you know money for upgrades or quite the um, outcome of your training the whole point is you get to the start line because most people never do you actually see and sometimes surprise yourself during races by the fact that some people can be on the start line and they may as well step back half a mile because they're so down on themselves and what could happen you don't know what happens when the gun goes off and a race starts the most surprising things can happen most of the time it isn't surprising that you end up winning and think how did that happen okay most of it is not um fictitious just you know fairy tales most of it is in reality your training will tell us roughly where we think your racing should end up there isn't a eureka jump between the two oh I was only doing this but in the race I suddenly won it people that are going well we can predict what they're going to do and people that aren't going so well okay we can't predict that you shouldn't be there if you're healthy enough to be on the start line do it because you you can't enter saying i'm only going to enter if you can guarantee that i can get pbs and be the fastest person well sorry competition has an unknown element to it that's what makes it exciting because perhaps you could just build through the first few races and find that you you take that experience from the fact that winter wasn't quite as good to you as you wanted it to be, but you're going to use these races to be canny and you're going to have a stronger second half. You're going to learn. You're not going to do the things that every year we can all put hands up and say, I completely mucked that up. I was so not thinking what I should do. And I kind of went like a bull in a china shop because, well, I thought experience would get me through that one, but it didn't. And if you can, almost stop yourself from being your own worst enemy because people and i see it and i have to coach people through it they can really be down on themselves they can really be the person that is you know you're meant to you're meant to be not stupidly positive beyond the the rational point of saying hold on a minute don't don't Believe your hype too much you've just got to be in that middle ground you've got to be able to say look you still can't predict exactly what's going to happen on race day so if i do all the things right i could still have a all right race yeah because you go from beginning to get to your end okay and not you know the whole world is in that race therefore you're still going to be in a tiny minority that say brilliant i'm not going to give up if you're a dns just because you think it might not go your way, that's a slippery slope. You'll eventually hardly do competitions because you think you shouldn't. And I think the great thing about spring is there's lots of enthusiasm, lots of it, you know. And 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 perhaps sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a, a little bit um, kind of like, well, I hope it kind of comes off. And in the back of their mind, it probably won't but you don't know no that's the thing. and and i think that that means you know if it isn't going to happen in the first race then don't put your pressure on yourself to think i'm absolutely going to be the the fastest one in my club or in this race just build through it after a while you'll start to learn stuff that a year ago you were making the mistake and now you're not And you're perhaps, you know, a bit more savvy in terms of listening to people about, you know, equipment and pacing and nutrition. I think there's more to be had from keeping positive and diligent than there is to think, no, I've just got to smash everything because there's only so much hard work you can do. But the people with a little bit of grey matter that they apply can actually outperform against people that, you know, are just literally, you know, come storming out of winter saying I'm the best thing since sliced bread and then just go whiz, bang, pop. Brisbane bang pop Brisbane pop So uh, we have to say we appreciate um, every review at um, iTunes. So if you haven't put yours up there and you haven't put your ratings up there, please do. Um, it's always nice to, um, to to read those. If you want your questioning for next month, either go to the uh, contact page at jbst.com or you could always tweet at Coach Joe Beer or you could go on to the facebook page the newsletter has just gone out if you aren't a person that is subscribed you can go to jbst go to advice and then click on the newsletter and you can actually uh, subscribe and that's just got little links to um, to online training programs to things that i've found out about that we haven't put on the podcast but which go out in a newsletter and if you haven't had it and you've uh, subscribed previously perhaps your email is different to the one that you once subscribed to put your name in and then you get a free newsletter and um otherwise it's a case of i think thanking you for listening once again for over an hour and 20 minutes for martin for some excellent golden nuggets i mean just gems just there's, there's more there's more in there you is just, there yeah. okay you right you've you saved some for next month you can't let them all out joe right okay it. okay so um Thank you once again Martin. Thank you very much. And Martin is again, once again, he's from Southforpracing.co.uk. Tweets fairly irregularly from at South Racing. ATV. At Southport Racing. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um meanwhile, remember, in the next month, make sure that you train smart, race smart and have fun. <laughs>
1: Vocal test, evening vocal test.
0: This is the multisport podcast for triathlon, duathlon, triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, roadies, time trialists, testers, runners, 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 runners. <laughs> mountain bikers, mutabiz, mutabiz, and fitness enthusiasts. Woo woo. This is the multisport podcast for triathletes
1: do athletes <laughs> do tattered do 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 you have my fake t-